right, well, welcome everyone to the gathering. My name is Steve. I'm the lead pastor here. And today's an exciting morning because we have not had the stage low <laughs> since COVID. So it feels good. I feel like, oh, we're like, I like, I can like see you. And, and this is, this is going to be a good time. I can tell already. Um, all right, we are going to be in uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. So if you have a Bible or a phone, you can be looking that up. Um, it'll also be up on the screen here in just a moment. Before we get to that, though, I want to do a couple of housekeeping things. And, uh, and then we're going to have an exciting, uh, we're just going to have an exciting morning today. We're going to roll the dice a little bit and see what happens. So uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. All right, so some housekeeping things. Uh, our interns just got back from Spain late last night, early this morning. Yes, I'm so glad they made it back. Um, they will be sharing with us next Sunday a little bit about their experience. So if you want to hear more, obviously you can always ask them at any time. But be here next Sunday in the gathering. They'll uh, have some time to share about their uh, trip and experience there. Um, the other thing is we're now in the third week of the practices. This is a thing, a, a conversation that we've been engaging in now for five years, which is kind of a crazy thing to say. Um, but over the years, we have accumulated a number of resources for each of the practices or spiritual disciplines. And uh, some of them are available right now in the lobby, physical copies of them that you can grab for this round of practices that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. But there's also a number of digital ones from previous years that you can find on the webpage uh, and in the app. And so if you want to Check that out. Our hope is that it's always available for you as you continue to explore uh, the practices with us. And then the last thing is we have a team from Boston coming to visit us um, in a couple of weeks. You'll get to, you'll get to meet them and hang out with them. Um, they're from Sojourn Collegiate Ministry, which is who I worked with when, I, uh, when we lived in Boston for about seven years. And they're coming out here to learn and to serve and to experience Davis and, and enjoy their spring break, but also give back in some different ways. And there are going to be some ways for us to help host them while they're here. And so I want to encourage you to be paying attention to the app and the email this week because there will be some asks that go out. We're looking for sleeping bags and air mattresses, and it'd be really cool if we could get them a bike for the week. So keep that in mind. Um, again, the details will be coming out very soon. All right, those are just some things going on uh, around our community. Today, we continue uh, the practices conversation. We're looking at the practice of Sabbath, and one of our goals for the year when it comes to family worship Sundays, which is what today is, is to sort of raise the bar on our incorporation and involvement with kids in the gathering space. So today, I, I want the kids to help me teach us about the practice of Sabbath. So kids, you are welcome to come up onto the stage and join me here. We've got a little space for you to come hang out. And parents, if you want to, you can come sit in the front rows if you feel like that's a more comfortable situation. And kids, if you don't want to come up on stage, that is also fine too. All right, so let's welcome the kids as they make their way up here to the stage. And Gabby's going to help us out, um, which is beautiful. Thank you, Gabby. Yeah. 
All right, so get, get cozy. Oh, here come two more. Come on in, guys. All right. What's up, kids? They're pumped. They're pumped. I can tell. Um, let's start with a couple questions. You guys ready for some questions? What do you guys like to do for fun? Just yell it out. What's your favorite thing to do for fun? Watch TV. What else? Paint. Draw. Video games. Play. I just, just a general play. I love it. What else? Oh, you like to play with a lobster. That will come back later, actually, which is kind of funny. Mabel, what did you say? What do you like to do for fun? Draw. Draw. Nice. Okay. So that's a great list of things that we like to do for fun. What do you guys like to do to rest? Do you like resting? No. <laughs> uh, what do you guys do when you have a rest time? What are some things that you do during that time? Oh, man. He says, I'm mostly a sleeping person, in case you didn't hear that. I think that's great. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. What else? Good. Read. Good. You guys, do you do those, those things that you enjoy doing for fun? Do you do them while you're resting, like painting and things like that? Sometimes. Okay. Well, cool. Thank you guys for sharing. We're going to have a lot. You're going to get to answer a lot more questions as we keep going, all right? So right now, get cozy and comfortable. We're going to read together a story from the Old Testament. This is, again, 1 Kings chapter 19, and it's about a guy named Elijah. So we're going to start in verse 3. All right, Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. All right, does it sound like Elijah is having a good time or a bad time? Bad time, right? <laughs> uh, he said, I've had enough, Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God, and there he went into a cave and spent the night. All right, so let's talk a little bit about this guy, Elijah. Elijah is a prophet. Do any of you guys know what a prophet does? No. Totally fine. Totally fine. So a prophet is somebody who has been assigned by God to speak on God's behalf to a group of people. And oftentimes to a person in power, like a king or a president or something like that. So this is Elijah's job. He is a prophet who has been given an assignment from God to speak on God's behalf. Now, what has just happened to Elijah, all right? So the chapter before this, in 1 Kings 18, Elijah has a showdown with some prophets who work for another god. The other god's name is Baal. Everybody say Baal. 
Very good. Uh, so the prophets of Baal and, and Elijah, the prophet of God or Yahweh, have a showdown. All right? They make a bet. How many of you guys have ever made a bet with a friend? Like, oh, I can throw the ball over that fence or I can run faster than you. Some of you have made a bet with a friend? Okay. Elijah makes a bet with them, and they have, this, they have this showdown where they're going to try to call down fire from heaven to consume an altar. And the prophets of Baal do this, like they spend all day doing all kinds of crazy stuff to try to get their God to show up, and nothing happens. And then Elijah gets up there, and he, it, it like immediately happens. This fire comes down from heaven, and it consumes, uh, it consumes the altar. It is a crazy moment. So Elijah wins the bet. Now, having just won the bet, how would you expect him to feel in that moment? Happy. Good. Anything else? Happy. We have two happies. Anything else? Ooh, and I'm excited. Yes, you would expect Elijah to feel happy, excited. I'm doing a great job, those sorts of things. But how does Elijah feel after this? Right? He feels tired and discouraged and afraid. Now, part of the reason for this is because in, in winning the bet, he made some very powerful people very angry with him. And if you look at the first two verses in chapter 19, you see that the king and queen, uh, Ahab and Jezebel, want, him, want to kill him. Right? They're, they're that mad at him that they want him to die. So, yes, he wins the bet. Yes, he wins the showdown. But powerful people are out to get him, and he's just over it. Right? He's just tired of, as we'll see, uh, as we'll see in a, a minute, of being the only one. Right? Do you guys ever feel like you're the only one in a situation? You don't have to answer that. It's okay. Um, so Elijah is scared and afraid, and so he runs away. He goes camping in the wilderness by himself, which is not maybe the smartest decision, but sometimes when we're tired and afraid, we make poor decisions, right? Uh, he, he, um, he goes out into the wilderness, and the first thing that he does is he falls asleep. How many of you like to take naps? There's one. All right. Yes. How many of you like to take naps? Woo, there it is. <laughs> Much more popular offstage than onstage. Um, I, when I was a kid, I used to hate taking naps too. I didn't, I didn't like it at all. But now that I'm getting older, I actually enjoy it a little bit more than when I was younger. You will notice that there are pillows and blankets up here on stage. If you feel like you need to take a nap, just go for it. It's totally fine. Your parents will, will not mind at all. Um, so Elijah goes off. He goes on a camping trip uh, in the wilderness, and he falls asleep, and then an angel shows up, right, and touches him. And what does the angel do? Do you guys remember what the angel does in the story? The angel is like, hey, look, a snack. So we have a snack for you guys, and Teacher Gabby is going to help you. Marina, can you also help with, the, with serving the snack? Um, this angel shows up and feeds Elijah, right? And then, and touches him and then says, you know what? I think you need another nap. <laughs> and so Elijah takes another nap and he wakes up again and he has another snack. And after those two naps, 
and two snacks, he's ready for the next thing. All right, sometimes when we are tired and afraid and discouraged, the best thing that we can do is take a nap and eat a snack. Are you with me? All right, let's read on in the story. As they're, as they're eating crackers and, and having a, a snack, let's read on in the story. We're now in verse, verse 9 into verse 10. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenants, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then, guys, listen to this part of the story, okay? This is crazy. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart. Does that sound um, exciting or scary? Ooh, you guys are excited by the mountain being torn apart by wind. Okay. Uh, a, mount, or a, a wind comes and tears the rocks uh, off the mountain. But then look at what it says. It says, the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. So we have a wind that's shattering rocks, we have an earthquake, and then there's a fire, but God was not in the fire either. And then after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So there's a lot of really interesting things going on in this part of the story, right? There is a wind, there is an earthquake, and there is a fire, all of which, in my opinion, are scary, right? Maybe there's some excitement there, but those are, those are like crazy things that are happening, right? What, what do you guys think? And again, if you don't feel comfortable answering, you don't have to, but what do you guys think it means that God was not in the fire and the wind and the earthquake? You guys have any thoughts on that? They're into the snack now, so not, not a lot of deep theological reflection, <laughs> which is totally fine. Um, so God is not in those things, but then it says that he does show up in this whisper, or depending on your translation, it's, it sometimes says a still small voice. Who, who here is really good at whispering? Ooh, we've got a couple. Oh, Mabel, you're good at whispering? I am terrible at whispering. Whenever I try to whisper something to my wife, she's like, you're talking too loud. So that's great that you guys are good at whispering. What do you think it means that God shows up in a whisper? You have any thoughts about that? What's that? Silent, quiet, right? So not in these loud, big things like fires and, and, and wind and earthquake, but in the quiet voice. It's pretty interesting. Interesting side note here, there's two characters in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament in particular, who have this experience where God says, I want you to go to a particular place and I'm going to pass by. Like my presence is going to pass by you. Those two characters are Elijah, which we're reading about right now, but also Moses. And there's actually some speculation that it's the same mountain that this happens on in both, uh, in both cases. And what's interesting about this is they have these experiences where, where God says, my presence is going to pass by you. And, and they're in these moments where both of them 
are experiencing uh, deep discouragement. Moses has been leading the people through the wilderness. Elijah is the only prophet he feels like who's left. And they're, they're even wondering, like, do I want to keep doing this? Do I even want to keep living? And it's in those moments that God shows up in these very interesting ways. And then if you fast forward the story to the New Testament, who is it that meets with Jesus on a mountain? Moses and Elijah. Right? They meet with Jesus on a mountain to talk about kind of the last phase of his life and ministry. I find that very interesting. Right, the connections between the three of them. Now, let's read the, the last part of the story here. Again, back to verse 13. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. When he heard that still, small voice or gentle whisper, he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And the voice said to him, this is the exact same interaction as before. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant Torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint, guys, I have to read a bunch of hard names, okay, so bear with me. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king of Aram, also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. How'd I do? Oh, thank you. Mason gave me two thumbs up. That's awesome. So Elijah has this great victory, right? But it makes him tired and scared and discouraged, and so in that place, God takes care of him sees him, takes care of him, meets his needs, gives him food and rest, meets him in this very personal, intimate way in a gentle whisper or a still small voice. But then that's not the end of the story, right? God sends Elijah back out. He gets to have this incredible, literal mountaintop experience, but God sends him back out, only this time he sends him with a partner. Okay, there's more work to be done, but I'm going to give you some help. This is one of the, the rhythms of Sabbath. Engagement and disengagement. Activity and retreat. Work and rest. Elijah has given everything he's got to this calling to be a prophet. But then he needs to go away for a little while. Right? He needs to rest. He needs to recuperate. He needs God to, to take care of him in these very uh, real and intimate and personal ways. But then that's not the end of the story. He goes back. Go back the way you came. There's more for you to do. But this time it's with a partner, this guy named Elisha. How many of you guys have, a, have like a buddy or, a, or like a friend, best friend at school or on a team? Okay. How great is it when you have a partner or a buddy that you can look to when you're playing a game or at recess or lunchtime, how does that make you feel to know that you have a partner or a buddy? Yeah, good. <laughs> Maple says, good. I agree. What else? We'll go, we'll go with good. What was that? Did you say something? No, got it. That's fine. 
it's important, right? It's important to have those people who can help us out, right? Those buddies who can go with us. All right, well, let's summarize what we have seen so far. All right, we'll, we'll do it this way. What's the good news of this story? There's probably a lot of ways that we can answer that question, but, but three things I think that stand out to me are that God sees us in our experiences. Okay, whatever it is that we are going through, in Elijah's case, discouragement, frustration, loneliness, uh, even despair, right? God sees us in our experiences. And then God takes care of our needs. A nap, a snack, uh, an interaction in a still small voice and a whisper. And then, of course, the partnership of Elisha. And then God gives us good work to do and partners to help us out, right? All kinds of good news in this story. All right. Thank you guys for hanging out on the stage with me for a little while. You can go back to your seats, your parents. Give them a hand. Well done. As they're making their way back, um, just want to share a couple of thoughts to get us ready for communion. The first thing is, uh, we, again, we have those resources uh, available for you. And my hope is that uh, in community, in neighborhood communities, you have the space to talk about this a little bit more, to process how you're practicing the practices, to maybe even go through some of those resources together, um, but also that you have the space individually to think about, how do I want to start putting some of these things into place? So again, check out the, the resources, whether you grab a physical one in the lobby or check out the digital ones uh, that we have online. Two things that I want us to see as uh, we come in for a landing here and get ready for, uh, get ready for communion. The first thing is this. There is a deep connection between our soul and our body, right? Between spirit and physicality. In Elijah's darkest moment, God meets him in a nap and a snack. Sometimes when I'm having uh, conversations and I'm I'm wearing my my pastor hat, uh, I'll just ask people, how are you sleeping? How are you eating? Are you exercising? And sometimes it's like, hey, aren't you like, you're the pastor. You're supposed to tell me to pray more or read my Bible or something like that. And I'm asking about naps and, and food. But there is this truth in which uh, those things are deeply connected. And sometimes the most spiritual thing we can do is to take care of our physical bodies. To take a nap to have a snack, to go for a run, or whatever it is that you do do to exercise. Those things can actually open us up in all kinds of ways to uh, very profound spiritual truth. God takes care of Elijah's physical needs first. Then he meets his spiritual needs and his relational needs after he's fed and rested up. How many of you just like can make a much better decision after a nap or a good meal, right? We get a little hangry, a little cranky, 
eat something, the world makes a lot more sense, right? <laughs> this is actually a very, again, a very profound spiritual truth. These rhythms, these rhythms of, of work and rest, engagement and disengagement, this is how God created us to flourish, how he created creation to flourish. Honoring the Sabbath is not about following rules or, or a spiritual checklist. It is aligning our whole selves, body and soul, with the intentions of our Creator. Which leads us to the, the second thing. So first thing is the connection between the physical and the spiritual. The second thing is God wants to be with us and meet our needs. And, and I don't mean this in like a sort of prosperity, you know, God wants you to be happy and healthy and wealthy for the rest of your life. But in this truth that, that in, in God wants to meet our deepest needs for meaning and purpose and intimacy and relationship, and good work to do, and people to do it with. More like a parent, right? Jesus said the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. This practice is a gift to us. That aligns us, again, with the intentions of the creator, but also creates the space to meet with the God who just wants to be with us and take care of us. Like a good dad. Like a good mom. God, I, I believe, is very happy with Elijah's ministry success, but this story, I think, makes it clear that his deepest desire for Elijah is not to be a really good prophet, but to just be with him. To spend time together. God wants to be with Elijah and to take care of Elijah, which in many ways is the gospel. All right, this is the good news. The Sabbath is not just a... a, a a practice that we do for self-care and to get some rest after a busy week, as important as those things might be, the good news of Sabbath is that God wants to be with us and he wants to take care of us. It's a reminder that, that the weight of the world is not on us. To do everything, to carry everything. As we will sing here in a moment, it's a reminder that Jesus paid it all. He created us. He saves us. He sustains us. In him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He, Jesus, is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is what we remember, what we celebrate every Sunday when we come to this table. 
this moment in our gathering that we call communion. And we take this cracker, which represents Jesus' body broken for us, and we drink this cup of juice, which represents his blood poured out for us. This truth that Jesus paid it all, he did the work, he creates us and sustains us and saves us. And our role is to respond. Is to respond and to align ourselves with the rhythms of this God who wants to be with us and who wants to take care of our needs. We're going to close our gathering time by taking communion and singing a couple more songs. So the band will come back. And as they do that, I want to read uh, from 1 Corinthians. And then I'm going to pray. And then we'll, again, we'll sing and take communion together.